Welcome back to another Untitled Movie Review. I am one of your hosts, Matt Rohrbeck, alongside, he's allergic to tomatoes, but he's tomato meter approved, Eric Marchin. You ready to pop your cherry, Matt? Chicky, chicky, cherry cola. I wish I had a cherry cola for this. Uh, A nice, refreshing cherry Coke Zero or something like that. That would be nice right now. I should have gotten a drink before we did this because I just downed a coffee. We recorded a couple of reviews before this. Um, might have to stop at some point while you're doing your spiel and run over and uh, get a drink. But yes, today we are reviewing uh, the Russo Brothers Cherry starring Tom Holland, uh, which will be premiering on Apple TV Plus in March, but will be in theaters uh, starting February 26th where available. Uh, and it will be released on Apple TV Plus on March 12th. 2021 eric the follow-up to the biggest movie of all time what do the russo brothers choose to do oh boy (laughs) oh man (laughs) um this is gonna be an interesting conversation um can't wait to talk about it because obviously i mean everyone who listens to our shows uh probably heard us recently even talking about wandavision i recently appeared on geek centrics show to talk about episode five of wandavision you know that i'm a huge mcu uh you know fanboy essentially re-watching those movies every single year i think the russo brothers have done a pretty good job you know shepherding that you know, I mean, really, it's Kevin Feige, and and even more so after watching this movie, I realize it's <laughs> Kevin Feige. Um, uh, but they did a good job, you know, with the Captain America movies leading into you know the Avengers movies and Endgame and stuff like that. But um, I was very curious after Endgame what they would do next, right? Because they were TV guys before that. They did Community episodes. They did you know, Brooke, I, I think some you know here and there they directed some TV. Um, they're also now responsible they're these, for extraction, at least one of the brothers. Uh, yes, which uh, maybe that should have been the the you know telltale sign before this. Yeah. Um, but you know they're big deals now because of the, the MCU and 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 you know making the biggest movie of all time. I'm but saying that from they box be? office. Should they be? Uh, after this, I'm not quite sure, Eric. So Matt, would you say get- that this movie fucked your heart? God, dude, this what an obnoxious fucking movie, but we'll talk about that. Eric, uh, while I go grab a uh, cherry bubbly, I don't know if I have any cherry left. Um, please tell the people what the hell cherry is. I'll be right well, back. Well, as Matt already mentioned, this is one of the most obnoxious uh, movies or, or follow-ups to you know the spectacle that was Avengers Infinity War and Avengers Endgame. Um, and they have recruited the Russo brothers, uh, Tom Holland, to star as the titular Cherry, a uh, drug-addicted bank robber um, whose story is told in chapter-based um, sequences, starting with a prologue and ending with an epilogue. And we learn of how he became a bank robber, what led him to become a bank robber and addicted to heroin. You know, we start uh, with a young man who is going to school and trying to figure out his life and falling in love and falling out of love and then enlisting uh, in the Marines and in the army and, and, you know, going to the Middle East and fighting in a war that screws him up um, both mentally and physically when he comes back. And the only way to cope with that is heroin. Cause that's the thing that you go to when, uh, you know, you're, you're, you're dealing with psychological issues. Uh, and through all of this, the Russo brothers literally take every film technique and, you know, shot 
style and type that they could possibly think of um, and incorporate this movie. You want aspect ratio changes? You got it. You want sequences that are, you know, in black and white? You got it. You want sequences that are just so visually over the top and grand with music that is just bombastic? There it is. It's all there for you and more. Uh, Tom Holland is an actor that is very likable in, you know, obviously the Spider-Man movies and and other things that he's appeared in. Here he feels completely miscast in this role, especially when uh, they try to age him up in the oh, uh, the epilogue, which just kind of feels. I mean, like if people criticize the the Harry Potter epilogue, this movie makes the Harry Potter epilogue look you know, subtle in comparison, um, especially with, you know, Holland with a mustache, but Matt, I'll let you go as you take your first sip of your cherry bubbly, remembering I got what orange. Tom Holland I no cherry tastes like. <laughs> um, God, man, what a disappointment this movie is. And, um, I missed a, a bit of your, um, rambling, uh, rambling as my headphones cut out and I had to scramble to get wired headphones. Uh, cause I went too far away. Um, yeah. What a disappointment this movie is. It is all over the place, dude. And some of like, again, I think it's intentionally all over the place, maybe to get into the headspace of the character, maybe, but it just doesn't work at all. Nothing about this movie works. It's so overly stylized. It's so, you probably already mentioned it, but it literally throws everything and the kitchen sink and the kitchen sink at the camera it does every single cliched kind of film student uh you know technique at you whether it was i think you already covered it like the black and white to you know saturated uh showing only certain colors throwing different uh words at the camera uh, aspect ratio changes um every little thing that it possibly can do to the point where it just becomes like a headache to watch in that first kind of half of the movie. It's over long. It's 150 minutes. Um, it just kind of meanders yet kind of runs and sprints through all these different aspects of this guy's life. Um, it's disgusting and juvenile at times, um, not even at times throughout the entire thing. Um, to the point of where whether it's violence or just like people shitting themselves or throwing up because they're addicted to drugs every cliche about you know drug addicts is thrown in here too to the point where it becomes more comical than uh upsetting um naming the banks certain things like the bank or uh like what the hell is that thing <laughs> that you have? Eric's showing me his cherry uh, for your consideration, Apple TV, you know, fucking monolith that they sent him. Um, what did they send you? The so script? They sent me the script. They sent me uh, um, a book of like the behind the scenes making of, and uh, you mentioning the bank. I'm just going to pull out the Dude, bank cards like that they sent me. card or something. Like- so we have... <clears throat> shitty bank oh god like that's the type that's the level usp rank (sighs) credit none yeah uh bank fucks america it's great yeah that's the level of you know subtlety you're getting in this movie or nuance that you're getting in in cherry and it's just i agree with you with tom holland like I think he's doing his best, but I do agree that he's miscast. Like I know the guy's supposed to be pretty young throughout, you know, the 
most of the movie, but he does feel like he's still, you know, Peter Parker, teenager, Tom Holland throughout it. And I can't really, you know, get past that. And I think like, even with him as Nathan Drake coming up and stuff like that, I'm, I'm curious to see how that will play out, but I just don't think it really works here and i don't know you have people like jack rayner um playing you know a cliched kind of drug dealer who gets caught up in the whole you know process of them stealing and force good luck as well as the best friend who's damon waynes jr who we just talked about who's indigenous (laughs) as well and then uh, even james gandolfini's son uh has has a small role in this as well and again like you mentioned it like it's it's just so juvenile and it feels like this amateur kind of like sundancey kind of made movie that feels like it's taping taking these kind of like topics that are that are you know whether to do with the opioid crisis or but um, even then like but it's yeah, just, it's, it's just done in, in like the most like overt rot just obscene manner possible. Like there's nothing subtle about this. There's nothing interesting about this. It's cartoonish in the worst yeah. possible way. You mentioned all the bank names and that's the cartoony aspect. I said, it's like watching a Looney Tunes fucking cartoon, like an R rated Looney Tunes cartoon about drug use. <laughs> yeah, no, I totally agree with that. Like it's one of those things where you're watching the film and you're like, in the first 15 minutes of this movie, you basically get what this film is going to be about. And like watching it, I was kind of reminded of Oliver Stone's Savages, where they talk about wargasms. And like that's the kind of like writing you're getting. And it almost feels like it is thinking that, oh, we're being intelligent on a way that like, you know, Paul Verhoeven was with Robocop, where like we're blending satire and poignancy and sort of like what's wrong with America, you know, into this kind of, you know, action thriller drama, this weird mix of those three things. And there's nothing insightful about this. There's nothing really all that interesting to have been said that hasn't been already said in other movies. And it's all just so comical and glib and just boring. And like nothing is funny and nothing is just, like the whole time like it's too long as well like this movie is like two and a half hours and you're just waiting for this thing to end and when you get to the epilogue which i think is the only thing that is kind of funny in an unintentional way it feels like okay well this could have been told in you know an hour and a half yeah Absolutely. And even then, like, I don't even think like within the first, you mentioned it, the first 15 to 20 minutes. I remember you saw this earlier than I did. And you told me and you're like, Matt, it's, it's yeah, I saw this on January 8th. And I yeah. was just like, dear God, like, what is this movie? And, and, and again, like the Russo brothers have the power to make this film. And, and I'm just thinking to myself, if they don't have somebody like Kevin Feige sort of, you know, reining them in. And we're going to get more stuff like this because right now they're working on the the Netflix film, The Gray Man with uh, Chris Evans and Ryan Gosling. And that's also supposed to be like a $200 million, you know, spy yeah. epic. And I'm thinking like, oh, dear God, like, what are they going to do to that? That's going to make that extremely, again, obnoxious and over the top and just basically pummel you with all this, you know, subliminal messaging that isn't subliminal at all. Yeah. It reminds me of like even 
I'm paying Michael Bay a compliment here um, because something like pain and gain is like, I think the best possible version of like a big blockbustery director doing a stylistic, smaller kind of movie. And Crime I, that's thriller what, in the vein yeah. of like a Coen brothers film, because yeah. he obviously is always using Coen brothers actors and trying to, you know, incorporate them in his movies. And it felt like pain and gain was his Coen brothers film. And when I look at something like that compared to still very different movies, one's a little bit more pulpy where this is, I, I, this is, this is pulpy, but not pulpy, in a good like, way. Yes. Where pain and gain is pulpy in a good way. And like, Michael Bay found a way to take, you know, do something completely different yet still use a lot of that machismo kind of ridiculous, you know, things that he's known for and use it in a movie like Pain and Gain where the Russo brothers, I don't think there's anything particularly that they're known for. They've made a bunch of Marvel movies and and they were good at that. But then it goes back to my point at is it it's really seeming like it's Kevin Feige who is the guy at Marvel and it's not necessarily was the Russo brothers or, you know, whoever, like they were more guns for hire. It seems like, I mean, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. I do love Endgame. I love the captain America movies. I thought they did a really good job with that. So maybe with something like the gray man being a big action blockbuster, um, but if they don't have a Kevin Feige who can kind of shepherd that thing through and make sure that it, you know, is reined in and, and, you know, works with all the different characters and, and the storytelling and stuff like that, are we going to get something like cherry, but $200 million instead of $10 million, right? Like, I mean, it says the budget's $10 million for this. It was probably more, um, I, I don't know. And that's what worries me because yeah, like you said, it is like you gave a film these two brothers that were in your film like class 10 million dollars to make a movie and then you're like oh boy okay um maybe let's like tone it down by like 10 and and 20 please 20 20, yeah maybe even 20 and uh, it's just you gotta i know this is gonna get a lot of attention because it's gonna be from the directors of endgame right yeah and it has a a marvel actor in this it's from apple and apple's putting a lot i mean look at the the before you consider the four-year consideration stuff that i got like they're putting a lot of time and money into this and and like watching it like i can see like a teenager really enjoying this movie but again when you get older you know you're 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 interests change and you become hopefully more sophisticated and you can kind of see through what this movie is doing. And and it's, it's almost like listening to music, you know, that you, we talked about this before on the regular show where it's like, you know, we grew up in the era of really shitty, like metal rock and metal rap and things like that, whether it be Limbiscuit and Puddle of Mud. This is, this is that. Cherry is the puddle of mud, theory of a dead man, you know, system of a down of movies. It thinks it's more edgy and interesting than it really is. And it's just a joke or Blink-182 even. Like that's like the level it's working on. And I wouldn't even shit on Blink-182 like that. Like, I mean, I, I get what you're saying, but like this, I, 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 I totally understand what you're saying. Where some, you know, 14 year old 
is going to watch this movie and think it's incredible and that's totally fine. But I do agree with you that I hope that, you know, when they revisit this in, in 10 years, much like there's many movies I probably liked when I was 14 that I, if I went back and watched them, I'm like, Oh yeah, this is trash. Um, or it just and, doesn't hold up the way that you, yeah. you once kind of thought it did the way that it spoke to you in your, in your adolescence. Like fight club's a perfect example of that yeah. kind of movie or Donnie Darko. where like, I love those movies in high school, but you know when i've revisited them in the last 10 15 years they don't have that same they just kind of feel so you know self-centered and and don't really have a real a grasp of maturity and and cherry has no grasp of maturity in it at all like this movie is just so like I mean, I, I've given you know movies like Kick Ass also a hard time where I think like Mark Millar is, Ju- is juvenile, but that is at least stylish in the sense where it knows what it is. Where I feel like this movie, it's obviously intentional, but it wants to be taken seriously. Yeah, too, its right? ambition is much greater than than what it ultimately is. Than Kingsman or or Kick Ass or something. Yeah, right? like yeah, and it, and it feels like oh, we're you know we're we're also paying tribute to you know the great filmmakers whether it be martin scorsese and having you know the character talk to the camera and, and like goodfellas God, or something like every that trope at you it man. does every single film technique and style that you can think of is in this film and it's again like the word we've mentioned the word obnoxious and juvenile before but that those are the best words to describe this just thing. pick a lane and and the, the sequence that drove me nuts the most was the boot camp sequence like, yeah i just when it goes to full metal jacket fuck yeah. this film for that like yeah, it's like yeah. like and we're making our stanley kubrick so, moment here and it, it doesn't make any sense the aspect ratio change and no. just like and even then another thing that's so obnoxious to me and this is like weird like specific techie stuff is that i hated that it was uh a two uh a 240 movie um uh and then when it goes to the four by three uh, boxed in it still had the black bars at the top and bottom and i understand that they they you know the movie is uh finished in that you know wide format and if it's playing in a theater that is properly masked that sequence would be properly masked but it's an apple tv plus movie like fuck off like make it like you could have easily made that work properly and it didn't it looked horrible because it's the most the way that most people are going to watch this movie even if theaters were open was going to be on apple tv plus so format your movie for the thing that it's going on because like when you have that boxed in cinematography for that war sequence which it doesn't really even make sense the boot camp sequence is the only time where it's in this boxed in cinematography and again it's just style for style's sake right and that's what we're talking about in this movie like nothing really has a purpose where in something even the a movie that's not uh uh great but it still works because waves right like the way that it plays with its aspect ratios has a meaning to it right or something like john john in the hole which i saw at sundance like it's shot in four by three because it it's supposed to be boxed in these people it's supposed to be claustrophobic it's supposed to be like it has a meaning behind it and it picks a fucking lane john in the hole is not a great movie it's fine it's a three-star movie but like it's it's miles ahead of cherry because it picks a fucking lane and has something that it's sort of trying to say with its style where in this movie 
it's trying to say everything, but it's saying nothing at all. Yeah. And whether it's from the filmmaking, whether it's from the storytelling, um, the op- opioid crisis is like only a small part of this, but then he turns into a, a movie about heroin addicts and like, um, it thinks it's profound in it's, it's profanity and it's not in any way whatsoever. And like, even the relationship stuff with him and his girlfriend and then eventually yeah, wife played, played on, by, yeah. uh, Sierra Bravo, like, th- and they, again, they both look so young that it almost uncomfortable (laughs) yeah like when they when when you get these sort of inner monologues from from holland's character talking about like he doesn't jerk off to porn because that's just not his thing but he fantasizes about her it just it feels so like icky and exploitative and it's definitely intentional they want you to feel uncomfortable and i think casting both of them who look very young is probably you know an intentional thing but it just doesn't work as the movie goes on and they're supposed to get older and stuff like that too that like it maybe kind of works at the beginning but even then it's just like yeah they both look so young to the point where um it just it it's not uncomfortable in a like oh this is saying a lot about you know addicts and and stuff like that it's just like they look like movie addicts they don't look like real addicts like that's the thing like even with like the makeup and like the way that they talk to each other exactly like it's so vile and over the top that like again you can tell like with them shitting themselves and puking and like it's so cliched yeah it's just like it it reminds me of beautiful boy it was a beautiful boy oh yeah with timothy uh chalamet Chalamet and and carell yeah yeah where that was so yeah flight where it's so over the top in the way it portrays like again no subtlety at all in any of this stuff to the point where you can see the nuance in a performance where you're like you really feel their pain no it's so graphic and 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 vile that you're like it you lose it because it's just so over the top and with naming things like shitty bank and all these things are like um uh thomas lennon's character is doctor whomever and i'm like and that keeps reoccurring throughout it, like, like the characters that he like that aren't really pivotal to the story or like even bank sergeant who, whomever like being kind of shadowed in black and white and, or, or, or being shadowed in in the cover of of darkness until like you know they're 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 seen as people like it's just again so on the nose with everything it's doing and it just kind of feels like the like the intention is so obvious and there's nothing there that is interesting and going on and it's just like teenagers made this movie literal teenagers made this film and these guys are like accomplished you know commercial directors and and tv guys and there's nothing here that's like of of any interest or nuance it's just all garbage being spewed at your face i couldn't have put it better um it's shockingly bad um to the point where like this should almost put them into director's jail yeah but it won't um if the gray man bombs or is the way that then, like cherry is then it will go back to marvel i guarantee you or they, they or marvel like, might not take them back because there is <laughs> there, there's this there's this thing where it seems like marvel i mean some relationships are more fraught than others but like obviously you've seen like you know john favreau kind of 
burning out and James Gunn having a little bit of, you know, that controversial kind of relationship where it almost feels like each filmmaker does their thing with, with Marvel and then kind of moves on after a while, whether it be, you know, be, to fill some sort of creative void that they're not getting over there or what have you. And yeah, I could see the Russo brothers wanting to go back, but I almost feel like the reception of this movie. And again, like maybe, maybe the gray man, they'll, they'll, they'll be more specific in their, their tone and their style and be, you know, paying tribute to kind of like classic, like film noirs and spy films and things like that. And they'll kind of stick to, Pick a those, lane. Those That's genre what I'm yeah, 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 yeah. Where this literally is like taking every single type of filmmaking style and just throwing it at a wall, seeing what sticks, and nothing does. It's just this mess that you have to clean up, and the people that are cleaning up a are shitty bathtub. Yeah, are are the the people that are watching it? You know, like we're watching this thing, and it's like. Why am I watching this? And why is this over two hours? And why does this thing think that it's better than it is? And that it's saying something about, you know, the the the, the conditions of living in America and what it be, yeah. means to be Americans and sort of to, to be drug addicts and also to you the know, system and, and yeah, breaking uh, you down and anti-corporate uh, corporations and things like that. It's just it it's it doesn't stick the landing in any of those topics that it's kind of trying to blanket in its kind of statement overall. And you just like, you're watching this thing and you're just thinking to yourself, how many more chapters do I have? Like, yeah. how long is this going to be? And, and that, guys, ugh. you know me, I love a good chapter title. I love a good movie broken out into chapters. I hated it again. Another trope where I'm like, pick a fucking lane, just pick one. And like, I, again, do you have all the chapters listed there? Is that, yeah, what I'm looking at, I'm looking them up right now. Cause I have, I mean, my, there's scribbles throughout, but like some of them are, are, are on here. So I'm going to look them up as, Cha- as I remember talking. chapter three being cherry. And I'm like, one of your chapter titles can't be the title of your film. Yeah. <laughs> and of the character. It's just yeah. like, come on, give me a break. Um, but I'm looking cause I, the like, thing I like emphasize is, and I, I already made the joke about it, but like the line about falling in love, it's like, they fuck, you know, they fuck my heart and those kind of things. And you're just like, give me yeah. a break. Re- like, it's so crass to the point where you can't. And I'm one who was like, yeah, I don't get really thrown off by any of that stuff. But when you're like so juvenile in the way that you present it to your audience, that it becomes hard to actually uh, have a visceral response to it or actually take anything emotional from it because you're kind of ripped out of it because of, you know, they throw everything at you and it's all feels like it's coming from a 13 year old. Yeah, I'm I'm just looking at this now. Like part four is like just called home. Um yeah. part one when uh life was I'm just looking again, my scribbles are it doesn't matter horrible. who cares. But yeah, it's like it it just it's it's obnoxious, it's over the top, it's not saying anything that's really interesting or or poignant in any matter whatsoever. Um it, it just to me is just like this classic case of giving somebody too much to work with or, 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 you know, having the accessibility that these guys had and they cashed their chips in on something that's just so almost unwatchable at times. It is. Yeah. It's like, it, it, it becomes obnoxious very quickly. And then you slowly realize you have another two well, hours. Part five dope life, like, like bullshit like that. Like, it's just like, 
give me a fucking break. Which is actually kind of even offensive with some of the stuff you're supposed to be talking about. And yeah. like that's the movie, yeah, it borderlines on offensive. I mean not borderlines, it pretty it much is. is the entire time. But it's but. too it's too dumb to take serious though as well. Like I would be more offended by it if it was a better film. Like if it was yeah. a better made movie that actually was like had some sort of idea or inclination of reality sort of within the story i would be like okay yeah this movie is shit and it's more offensive because it thinks it actually is saying something but because it is so over the all over the place and scattershot i'm not gonna really like take this seriously at all it's just a mess and like it's a headache i just had a headache watching this film and i was glad when it was over like literally i was like this epilogue cannot end soon enough. Sorry, mustache Tom Holland. I'm not not digging what you're putting down. Oh God, yeah, and that, that was my one tweet after the movie without saying what it was about. Um, but I'm like, for those who know, here's my mustache Spider-Man. But that's also ridiculous as well. It's like how they try to age him up in that sequence, and it's just it's laughably bad. Like they couldn't have hired an older actor at that point. Yeah, because it's supposed to be 2021, right? Yeah. Like it's like it's supposed to be modern day. He's supposed to be like now 20 years older, but he's Tom Holland with a mustache. And you're like, oh, come on, guys! They put like a little bit of weight on his face or something, like. But it just looks like um, like a stage play for some high schoolers, you know, like in the the two leads just wearing you know old age makeup or doing the best they can with what they have, and it's it's so ridiculous and and almost again comically bad. Like it's just. This was this was a tough watch because it was it was unpleasant. <laughs> it sure was, Eric. I am going to give the movie a one and a half out of five. I'll also give it a one and a half out of five. Whew, that's low for you. Usually, like you, you give movies the benefit of the doubt. And you're like, I'll give it a two. It's still a movie. <laughs> oh, I've seen <laughs> like, some stuff that's that's one star this year. Yeah. I mean, Money Plane. Although Money Plane's <laughs> still a better film. At I least think you, Money is, Plane knows what it is. Yeah, Bliss like, was pretty bad as well. The Mike Cahill film with Owen Wilson and Selma Hayek that's on Amazon uh, Prime right now. Um, and this is this is this is right up there, Matt, or down there, depending on how you look at it. I don't doubt it. Um. Thank you all for listening. Um, you can check out all of our other reviews right here on Untitled Movie Reviews. All of our Sundance coverage is up here. Uh, by the time this is coming out, I don't know what more recent reviews we'll have because we're recording this uh, pretty early. But you can check out our review for Barb and Star. Go to Vista Del Mar, uh, which we highly suggest is, is a ridiculous watch, as well as St. Maud, which is also worth your time. So go check those out. Uh, please go check out the Untitled Movie Podcast, which is our conversational, long-form entertainment industry show where Eric and I just talk about what's going on, uh, as well as Untitled Movie Conversations, which is our interview show. So please go subscribe to all of those different channels. Uh, please drop us a review on those, which if you would be so kind, and please follow us on all of those social medias at Untitled underscore cast. Uh, as always, my name is Matt Rohrbeck. You can find more of my work around the internet, but mostly at UntitledMoviePodcast.com, and you can follow me on all of those social medias at Matt Rohrbeck. And I'm Eric Martian. You can find more of my video reviews at rogerstv.com slash cinemascene and on the social medias at EM6211. Until next time. This was definitely a cherry bomb. <laughs>